just because you have success in, in this world doesn't mean you're always blessed. I find the real blessings are simple things, love, health, family. And so I just, I just like to say that because I think a lot of people get caught up in, hey, it, you know, God doesn't love me as much as he likes uh, the newsboys because they're more successful. And I just don't see that that's how it functions in, in my faith. You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the new release today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. When I first started this podcast, I was worried that it would be tough finding guests to be on the program. So I sent out over 300 invitations, thinking I might get about 5% of the emails responded to. But I was really surprised when I received nearly a full year's worth of artists writing back saying, yeah, I'd like to chat with you. I'm telling you this now because I still have another dozen episodes recorded that I'm currently editing. And I've also got some pretty cool guests lined up to share their stories. But I also wanted to mention this because I've had a really busy January and February, recording as many as five interviews each week. Now, the drawback to recording so many episodes at once is that some of the interviews can get a bit dated. And today's interview is one of those. Back in February, I talked with Sean and Michael Cavallo, better known as Manic Drive. And today, you finally get to hear that conversation. So just be aware that some of the dates and things that we were talking about are about three months old. We had a lot of fun in that conversation, so be sure and stick around for my conversation with Manic Drive. Before we hear today's conversation, I want to take a couple of minutes to tell you about another great program run by Mercy, Inc., Bridge to Reading is a program run in 12 Central African countries, as well as the country of Colombia in South America. This program teaches adults how to read and write in their own language, which has a number of benefits. Just think what advantages come economically to people who can read and write business transactions. And in many of these countries, women are marginalized after they pass through their childbearing years, so being able to read and write offers them dignity in the home. Or my favorite story is of pastors who are teaching the gospel but can't read it, so they have their children read the Bible to them. Just think what it would be like for these pastors to be able to read God's Word on their own. If you want to find out more about the work Mercy Inc. is doing through Bridge to Reading, head over to christianmusicarchive.com mercy. There, you can read about our partnership with Mercy Inc., as well as see how you can get involved and further the work of teaching adults how to read around the world. That's christianmusicarchive.com mercy. And thanks for your willingness to help. Brothers Sean and Michael Cavallo have been singing and performing together since 1997. In 2004, they formally started their band Manic Drive and released a couple of albums that were quickly recognized by the Canadian Gospel Music Association with four Covenant Awards. 
Then, in 2015, they received a Juno Award for the Best Christian Canadian Album. Sitting down with these guys was a lot of fun, and I really appreciated Sean and Michael's intent to make music that will share their faith in places that might not be open to traditional Christian music. Rather than recap everything in this conversation, let's jump right in to the conversation I had with Manic Drive. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking time to uh, join and uh, fighting through technology, and uh, it's an honor to have you guys join us. So welcome to the podcast, Sean and Michael Cavallo of Manic Drive. Woo! We did it. Yes, we're here. Thanks for having us. Our website documents folks who make Christian music, and um, for people who may not know who Manic Drive is, they're probably living in a world without access to internet or running water. Let's start by telling the people a little bit about you guys and how you got started. Well, we are brothers. We always had a deep passion and love for music at a very young age. And then uh, back in, just right out of high school, between 2004 and 2005, we uh, merged our powers together and formed a band called Manic Drive. And uh, we've been releasing music and touring the lovely world ever since. And um, I guess our style is combined of... uh, rock and roll and funk and pop music all merging together to kind of form that Manic Drive sound. And and here we are today talking to you about it. Very, very cool. Now, you guys actually started out in a family band, right? This was kind of a offshoot when the family band dissolved. You guys started Manic Drive? Yeah, our, our father was very musically inclined. And, uh, well, we were very young. Probably our first concert ever was the ages of, what, seven and eight, Sean? We went to a basement of a church. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be really, really young. And we were like, we saw these dudes with long hair and ripped jeans just rocking. <laughs> and we were like, this is what we want to do. It was it was in that moment we knew we were going to be starving musicians. And so um, my father, who was very musical, we kind of just, you know, st- sort of formed this little family band. We did local churches and cafes and festivals at a very young age. And it was more just a fun family thing. But then um, through our youth and straight out of high school, we we wanted to go full time with it. And uh, we started working on our first album, Reasons for Motion, in uh, 2004. Well, now you said, you are you know, it's two brothers. Now, uh, some brothers get along great, some brothers don't. How is that family dynamic kind of add to the musical sound that you guys create? Is it a push and pull, or is it a collaboration, or how does that work? It creates that musical tension that, <laughs> that we're known for. Yeah, that angst. Yeah. That. <laughs> when I stand over his bed with sharp objects. <laughs> well, wow. So, yeah. oh, this is oh, this is being recorded. Oh, okay. Uh, no, the dynamic's pretty good. Um, we got a lot in common as far as musical tastes and stuff like that. So, musically or working together, it's it's pretty like we got our differences. But I think the the cool thing about being so close uh, is you could be really honest. You know, with other bandmates that aren't family members, sometimes it's hard to to shoot them really straight and just raw. Um, and we get that kind of dynamic, and I think that's important for for uh, creating anything, any art form. I think is, is it's pretty important. So you might be hearing my baby in the background. By the way, he's he's doing some background vocals right now. That's awesome. And we have a brand new baby, right? Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> straight eight. off the shelf, brand yeah. new baby in stores. Fresh everywhere. from the press. Fresh from the press. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. He's eight months old, and he's got a set of lungs. So very cool. Yeah, he'll he'll be making appearances throughout. I'm sure. Oh, no, that's great. Uh, getting uh, getting them trained young. Mm-hmm. So with the fine family dynamic, do you both write? Uh, or is one of you the primary writer? Is one of you the primary music guy? How does that work? 
Well, um, this is Michael, by the way. I'm the band leader, where Sean is more <laughs> the primary band guy. Yeah. So it's really it's got two major egos, you know, kind of fused <laughs> together as one. Uh, <laughs> so I would say, yeah, Sean's the primary writer. I do a lot of co-writing and things of that. But Sean, I think you beat me on the point system a little bit. You wrote more songs on the last album than I did. Congratulations. Very yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No competition there at all. No, I have much better dance moves, though. There you go. That's the important part, right? I'm the family favorite, though. <laughs> I, I am, as, as the eldest, I will inherit the throne. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> Now, for those of you who may be uh, sensing there may be a little bit of a accent, you guys are from north of our border. You're uh, up in Toronto area, correct? Yes, yes, beyond the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we come from the land of Canada, um, Toronto, Ontario. What's up? Represent. The six. So when you guys got started as a band, were you primarily regionally in Canada or did you immediately jump and, and tour all of North America? How did how did that work for you? Well, we were born and raised in Toronto, so that's that's home ground for us. Um, we never we started branching out across Canada in the U.S. Uh, mostly uh, 2005 is when we started touring a little bit more heavily. Uh, we would do some power weekends here and there as teenagers and we got to actually do some pretty cool concerts in our youth. Um, but as far as really heavily touring was was uh, 2005 is when we started hitting the road. I've heard some folks talk about the difference between touring in Canada and, and touring in the U.S. Have you guys experienced, is there something different in audiences or is it pretty much the same? Um, There's a lot of similarities. Just Canada is like a massive in size and smaller in population. So actually touring mm. across Canada is pretty painful. We've done it a couple times, but you got to think there's like a dozen cities across something that's wider than, than the United mm, States. Yeah. So um, yeah, tutor, touring gets a, a little bit tricky, but we, we love playing as much as we can in the hometown. There's just a lot more opportunities and people in the U.S. And also just Christian music as a whole is a, a lot more uh, prevalent in in kind of American culture than mm -hmm. it is in Canadian. Yeah. Um, so it kind of just picked up naturally more for us in, in the U S. So that brings up the question. You said Christian music specifically, obviously we're the Christian music archive, but you have in, intentionally decided to write music that points to a faith perspective. It was that a specific choice or how did that, is that just an outflow of who you are? We were just going where the money was. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so going back on our, on our childhood again, Sean and I, well, actually through our parents, so taking us to these sort of church concerts in these basements back in the 90s when that was cool, when we were little little guys. Yeah. Um, we just had a, we just were fans of it, simply put, right? So uh, our dad and, and mom uh, introduced us to a lot of great Christian artists such as DC Talk and Striper and Audio Adrenaline and Newsboys, uh, upon other even local artists in the area from Toronto. And we just fell in love with that whole scene, um, buying the albums and everything back in the day, and so and seeing them in concert. And so we just kind of we just naturally just kind of went into that scene just because we were fans. Yeah. Um, I don't think we had this whole what do you call it? This whole like religious epiphany. We're like we are going we to be a so, Christian. Yeah, you know? we were just <laughs> there was so no... young, and um, you know we were so familiar and comfortable with with the church, um, and um, so we that's what we knew and that was our world and we want to express it. And that obviously we grew from that. Uh, Cause you don't, that's not sustainable for the amount of time we've been doing this for, but you know, as our faith grew, we grew and uh, the whole thing kind of was just um, this fluid transition, you know, it wasn't this um, heartbreaking testimony and we made a crazy decision. It kind of just 
people is like a slow and steady growth. Yeah. So basically you're making music that expresses who you are as individuals and part of who you are as individuals is is followers of Christ. And so that's going to f- flow out into your music. Yeah. 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 I would say that's naturally, yeah, that this comes out natural with, with any artist in any art form, you know, their, their life and what inspires them is always going to, you know, come through in their, in their art. Right. Yeah. Well, it, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who have said, well, I had the decision to make that I was going to focus on the Christian market or not. And there's, there are people that have done equally well in both decisions. And so it's always interesting to me to kind of hear, if somebody were to come up to you and offer you a contract on a major label, it's not like you're going to turn it down. But if they're going to cha- tell you to change your music uh, content, how does that fit with what you're thinking? Well, f- first <laughs> off, any label that's uh, listening right now that wants to give us the contract, we'll take it. We will take <laughs> we it. We will sell our souls for that. <laughs> uh, definitely. I mean, we're businessmen, too. So right. obviously, this is a music industry. And of course, any opportunity for any artist, if if uh, a great connection happens with uh, whatever labeled or company that wants to invest into your art that's a great thing you know we definitely don't care in which field mainstream or not um how that works out most of our and uh we keep on saying this um in interviews because a lot of christian um media outputs don't really understand that the majority of our fan base aren't christian listeners Mm, um i think just in christian music we are considered christian uh musicians especially uh we we we've been on the Christian radio charts. We've done all the major festivals. Most of our live events are Christian based, um, but because of opportunities kind of beyond our control and what's happening with Spotify and just uh, the algorithms that pick up and getting some placements on whatever happens online in that that world, most of these viewers are are coming to our YouTube channel or something like that. And you see a lot of comments being like, "Wait, is this a Christian band? Yeah. I didn't know they were a Christian band." And so we're we're living in a really cool time because um, that's how we grew up with Christian music. We grew up with, um, like Michael said, DC Talk or Newsboys, where it was more of a tool as an outreach, I think, to to kind of have um, just starting some dialogue with people that might not have the same culture or mindset as you. Um, and that's kind of where we stuck in Christian music, where I, I think nowadays a lot of Christian musicians are just wanting to to stay in the safety net of Christian music. Mm. We kind of grew up uh, when Christian music was, was kind of uh, outside the church walls. Yeah. And um, so that's, that's still very um, uh, true to, to what we do um, without kind of going overboard or over spiritual. It's just like, yeah, we just want to create that conversation. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people out there, they, they don't speak Christianese. They don't know what you're talking about. And you just need to say something fun, something super simple, and then have them be like, hey, what what, what are you guys talking about? After you kind of have that that starting conversation with them. Yeah. Um, so it's that that's kind of where the, the space that we want to be. It's a hard space to be in because, you know, you, you get in that spot where um, the mainstream market might think you're too Christian and then the Christians don't think you're Christian enough. Mm, yeah. Um, but we, we just like playing that space and that's, that's kind of where our heart's at. And we're, we're kind of stubborn with it. We're like, no, we're going to be right here. And a lot of people say, choose a side. You got to be secular or Christian. We're like, no, we're staying <laughs> There's that, right here. There's that word again. And yeah. yeah, secular. Is that a secular painting you got hanging up there? Is that, is that secular? A, I drive a secular is that, car. Is that TV secular? <laughs> it's Samsung. Is that even American? <laughs> well, I talk about that as a plumber. You know, am I a Christian plumber or a secular plumber? Yeah. <laughs> got to be yeah. dealt with one way or the other, right? And I'm not going to necessarily call a Christian guy just because he does it different. Yeah. yeah. It's funny how art, we, we put this kind of tag on it. Well, 
I can't really look at that because it's not Christian. But we don't do that with anything else that we we consume. Yeah, and I think the importance, of, like, there is a power and importance to music and art and expression, and to have a Christian mindset. A lot of people are going to want to show their kids or family members that it's like a, a safe zone. You know, it's kind of like taking your kids to a PG thirteen movie. You're kind of just ensured that hey, this is going to be okay to to listen to, which is which is totally cool. Um, PG thirteen though, I don't PG-13 know. PG thirteen gets a little tricky. Yeah, <laughs> are you taking your are you taking your eight month old son to a PG thirteen? There's the question, right? <laughs> yeah, PG thirteen months. We're very progressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, yeah. and there's there's absolutely space for worship uh, for for music that is directed to a church market. But I I'm really at yep. the place in my life right now where I'm trying to say, okay. If I'm going to be able to talk to people about my faith that don't know about faith, I have to speak their, not not so much speak their language, but be in places where they would say, hmm, that's interesting, tell me more. Yeah, and a lot of Christians kind of, well, sorry, I don't want to say a lot of Christians. It's kind of been a little bit overlooked in Christianity to learn how to speak to people that haven't been introduced to it or might have some sort of... um just bad vibes like a uh, some sort of stigma on it um because you know there's christianity's wrapped up in a ton of world history and a ton of politics and things like that it can get really confusing yeah. so if someone is coming from the other side uh and they want to hear something you you got to learn how to be able to to actually open up not be scared not be threatened by it and have that conversation. Like I said, Manu Drive's not doing anything crazy with with our lyrics. This isn't something that's so extreme and we're doing something new. This is just something as basic as just being like, yeah, we're Christians that and some of our music is listened by uh, to by non-Christians and we think that's really important and we're not going to slam a bible over their head. Mm-hmm. Um we're just going to just say a couple things, throw it out there if they dig it cool. And I think that kind of just slightly changes someone's pers- perspective of a Christian just to be like, hey, okay, cool. I, it's not like this extreme oversight. Well, you had said something a little bit earlier about, uh, you know, your dad and mom exposing you to a bunch of different music. And then how surreal is that to then be on the road with, you know, the Newsboys and Striper and some of these guys that you have grown up listening to and now you're actually opening for them what what is that pinch me moment like that was actually a very beautiful moment when we were um performing with these artists because we did grow up listening to them um back uh not too long ago i mean we even had uh one of our favorite singers kevin max of dc talk feature on a track blue some time ago and that was that was a good pinch me moment um being asked to be on tour with the newsboys was a good pinch me moment striper was a pinch me moment and uh, these opportunities kept on sort of uh, blossoming over the years, you know, and we were very much blessed and uh, honored to be involved in uh, working with those artists. So, yeah, it's I mean, there are not words to sort of describe those sort of, you know, those emotions at that time because it's so so exciting and so yeah. thrilling. But, so so walk me through the first phone call you get for one of those artists. Who was the first one you the first big artist that you're touring with? What was that phone call like? Actually, repeat that question because you broke up just a little bit there. It was an internet connection. It sounded like thing. the Borg a little bit. You, yeah. <laughs> you are being assimilated. 
<laughs> no, oh, man, not again. Is it Tuesday? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> no, so so talk about uh, the first phone call that you received uh, for the first big artist that they invited you to be on the tour with. What was that moment like for you when the, you hung up that phone and looked at each other and said, oh, my gosh, we just. Oh, it, it was always it was always baby steps with us. We never kind of just like broke the market. There was always just like a baby step. I think the first artist we did a national tour with would have been Seven Day Slumber, which, you know, they would have been just solid. It wouldn't be DC talk. And um, and then um, same with same with radio. It's just like a radio station in Florida picked you up. A radio station in Dallas picked you up. You got one show with Skillet. You got one show with I don't know bands back in the day. Pillar. Yeah. Um. So it was just like a step by step by step, and it was, you know, um. I think the biggest moment. Um. I guess Winter Jam would have been a big moment for us. That was a surprise because, um, that's, a good that's one, yeah. pretty much like an impossibility to mm-hmm. get on as far as, um, as being an yeah. independent artist. Uh, it's like why even bother? And then. Uh, we, we were able to make that. So that was kind of incredible because we were going from decent tours from like Audio A, Group One Crew, yeah. Royal Taylor, like they're solid tours and a ton of fun to like an arena tour was that was our biggest kind of step, I think. Yeah, that was pretty was... recent. That was like a couple of years ago, right? That's where I first got acquainted with who you guys were, was, was at Winter Jam in Portland, Oregon. And it's like, oh, I've got to dig into this a little bit more. This is this is a cool, fresh sound. And so that was fun for me to be able to see that. What kind of opportunities came about because of that stint on Winter Jam? Uh, well, that's that's hard to judge because we're <laughs> the following year. And then, you know, this uh, whole yeah, we, pandemic happened. There's this thing like, going around the world. It's, it was uh... the weirdest thing to kind of like get off of Winter Jam and have all this momentum and then everything just stops yeah what happened do you know did you know what happened what did you do Um, what did you do but yeah definitely like on the tour and right after the tour doing summer festivals and stuff it it definitely helped uh and it was a lot of fun a lot of work and we got to meet a lot of new fans um a lot of people would would kind of be familiar with our name which was cool and they were able to kind of put a face to to the songs which was important um but yeah it's definitely definitely crazy i, I yeah well just, just never imagine that you know? the beautiful thing there was never just one phone call i mean there was mm. uh, maybe a dozen or so of, of calls and people reaching out saying if we'd be involved in doing you know a certain opportunity or a tour or um even getting a call for everyone radio landing that with mm-hmm. uh with walls or single um uh, dude perfect landing that and them supporting our music over the last couple of yeah, years dude you know? perfect is like a viral youtube channel right and they called us up out of the blue and uh, I, di- I, di- I didn't know who they were. And they're like, can we use your music? I was like, why? <laughs> who are you? And then I looked them up. I was like, oh, okay. I get you. I get you. Yeah. You could, you could use yeah. a couple tunes. When, when uh, Tom Cruise called us, he's like, let me help you. And I'm like, <laughs> that, that never happened. No, I made um, <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's always been like tackling like one, a lot of small battles and then you get a couple cool things and uh, you just keep on going going on for the ride so you've probably had this question asked about a million and one times in the last 11 months the brakes get put on somebody it's like somebody pulled uh, didn't pay the electric bill and now everything comes to a screeching halt how did you guys pivot because you guys are still doing stuff in fact you guys are kind of digging into uh, some extra creativity stuff since you're not on the road as much yeah we were a little fortunate i know it's been a hard year for a lot of people especially people in the music community or any entertainment community 
But we were, we just had wrapped up a tour with Colton Dixon. So this was November of 2019. And then Sean knew he was going to be a father. We were already anticipating and being in the studio anyways, mm. uh, in regards to our release for volume one. So we were already planning like, okay, we're not going to be touring as heavily just because, you know, we knew Sean was going to be a brand new dad yeah. and we wanted to really be um, heavily involved with the studio, releasing new material. And we wanted to do a lot more music videos and things like that. So we were going to take on dates, but um, that was sort of our plan for 2020. Yeah, we kind of saved up for some studio time. Mm. And so. that's so when things went to a screeching halt, we were like, yeah, I mean, we obviously missed out on some shows and opportunities and festivals, but we were already anticipating on on doing some releases and and such so and you know that sean could have been home as a as a father with a brand new baby yep. boy you like him right you like him yeah I'm okay good okay what's the return policy now? so um well i was going to ask which is more important being the new the new dad or being the new uncle that's probably the bigger question well being an uncle is way more important than being a father we know that scientifically uh um that there's an actually professor that talks about that no oh yeah so i'm Uncle of two boys now, two nephews. Oh, very cool. It's awesome. Yeah. It's beautiful, beautiful journey. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, we, we've had a lot more just family time and, you know, raising Cody a little bit and working a lot in the studio and very excited to be releasing volume one and and doing sort of trying to land uh, videos or maybe some uh, commercials and just focus in that realm as of now until we get back on the road. So when you guys decided, I mean, you're already on on kind of hiatus, if you will, but you've you've been doing these online Facebook Live type events. Was there was there a new learning curve for that, or did that just kind of come naturally out of all the stuff you've been doing so far? Uh, it's not so much a learning curve. Um, we we obviously just got to focus a little bit more online, just keeping our fans engaged until we can get back on the road. So I, I think it's just you know creating the content for now, kind of throwing it out there dipping into the savings account and uh, <laughs> yeah. just hoping that within, you know, we could float for a year and a half and uh, just, just squeeze a little bit tight and then hopefully things kind of keep on going, you know, squeeze a little tight at a time where you've got an extra mouth to feed. That's the challenge. I bet. Uh, really? Do you have to feed it? No. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. It's not just replace the batteries. I don't think. Wow. Uh, the, <laughs> actually the, the stress, <laughs> like, I guess if we're, we're talking about the whole scenario of what happened in my personal life, I actually like the whole thing kind of came tumbling down. We were working on this um, tour with Colton Dix and that was supposed to be happening in April, like really early April. Okay. And then, you know, March we're, we're starting to get a couple like weird, you know, uh, people are giving us weird phone calls. They're like, have you heard what's going on? I was like, yeah, that's not an issue. It should be okay. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, like everybody's panicking. And I'm looking at this. My wife is pregnant. I'm on the phone. I was like, oh, no, because all the deposits like for this tour yeah. have been set up like we own this tour. So it's not just Manic Drive's part of the tour. We actually hired Colton yeah. Dixon, Citizen Way, the bus driver, like everything was like... Yeah ready to go and then two weeks prior to it all of a sudden it's just like pull the plug and yeah. then let everybody knows that that the one night music circus was put this on was hold. supposed yeah. to be like the last um last tour until we took a little bit of a break so you know the tour would generate income we'd have a little bit more cushion stuff like that and so that was kind of crazy and then um my wife and i uh, on a personal note in february we bought a home uh that was being built so it's a pre-construction okay. home they're like it's going to take a year to build 
And all of a sudden in March, this tour falls through. <laughs> the real estate market in Canada starts tanking like really quick. And we're like, do we sell? Because if we don't sell now, we might like uh, our the the jump from selling our current home to the new home yeah. might be too. So it's like, do we want to take that gamble or do we just like sell now? We know the price we can get out of the market and just see what's going on. So we sold our house um, like the same time the tour got canceled. Oh, <laughs> Oh. And then we're like looking at it and my wife is pregnant and the house is closing in May and we're homeless and the baby's coming in June. And then Tom Hanks got yeah. sick. It was too much. <laughs> was so, I was just like, oh man, like I'm a Christian musician out of a job. I'm homeless with a baby coming. It's not your ideal situation. But um, luckily my my dad, who's been very involved in, in our music career, he, he has a a bigger home and i was like hey we're gonna have to lay low for for a year with you with my wife and kid and he was cool with it so it's not the you know it's you don't really go about bragging about how hey i moved in back with my dad but for the current scenario i'm really happy i don't have the pressure of a mortgage right now yeah, so yeah i'm taking it as a blessing we're actually having a lot of fun we spend a lot of time like on the road together as well so it's pretty natural just coming back in here and we're all kind of like a mini little Brady bunch. Hey, dad, can you get some meatloaf up here? And some nachos? <laughs> yeah, we know, as grownups, you got to be very mature about these days. We said nachos. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. We're doing an interview. I'll do it later. <laughs> Quiet, old man. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's a little bit behind the scenes, but uh, we're we're in a good position. Um, that that's not, you know, we didn't lose our house. We're just kind of temporarily out of it, and we're kind of rolling with the punches. Just you know, creating as much music as we can, and then um, yeah, things should be up and running. We're really excited about it on a personal note and with the band. We yeah. we do hope things start opening up, and we missed missed the road and everything. So hopefully that will be coming in a theater near you <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> yeah a lot of people ask us you know what's what's gonna happen you know aren't you worried like what's gonna happen if you lose your career and i i always say to them i was like worst comes to worse and i need to get another job like worst case scenario i'll make more money that's mm. the worst that could happen right <laughs> now. oh you've actually th thought this through good yeah, for you man i was michael has no plan b i'm just, just gonna going. he's gonna join striper i'm gonna join striper oh there you go <laughs> So you released volume one in in, in November. Um, do I understand correct? You're working on volume two. Correct. And so this is going to be kind of a series. From what I, I read this somewhere, that you're going to be doing a kind of a series of EPs over the next few months. Is that the plan still? Yeah, like a saga of music, a musical journey. So we thought it was actually a clever thing. This is even before the whole world shut down to have more smaller releases and carry people on more of a musical journey. Mm -hmm and actually release more music videos and songs more more often fluently. than that more fluently yeah than that of maybe just waiting every two three years for you know 10 or 12 tracks right. to, and then sometimes half of those tracks don't even get really the the platform attention. Yeah. or attention that they need um so we're like well, let's try a new concept of maybe just doing um i guess small albums would be the technical term yeah of uh, several tracks where we can just really fix fix it and focus on them and then do uh, music videos um with that and just kind of keep keep it busy with that and so we just kind of tried it as a new thing and we will see where that goes but so far we've had a great time with it good journey and the 
the impact has been good, we think. So So again, this was all stuff that was kind of pre-planned before the pandemic hit, and you're just kind of, uh, the guidance that God, or the vision that God had given you is just kind of, hey, I've got this thing coming up, and we're going to provide you and cover you through that anyway. If the vision was more clear, knowing that COVID-19 was going to be around, (laughs) then that would have really, really helped. Us plan uh, things more financially, but um, yeah, the way the way it worked out, we're we're all really grateful and uh, blessed by by how everything's kind of working out right now, and um, yeah, looking forward to moving forward. Looking forward to moving forward. Wow, well, I don't Deep. know. That, I'd have to rewind that to see that. Never mind. Okay. Yeah, I was. Then you'd have to go backwards to see what he, what he forward. You'd have to what? go backwards to look forward to. But my quote was, on looking two, forward to moving forward. Two steps forward. forward, four steps back. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, it's great. It's brilliant. Sean's writing a philosophy book. There you go. No one's, no one's going to read it. <laughs> so can you kind of give a sneak peek as to kind of what some of the themes on the new album are? Or are you still formulating that? We're, we're such in a preliminary kind of mode right now. So what happens is like literally start with like voice notes or just writing down a couple things on the notepad or on the computer just about like something so it's so preliminary and then um you'll sit with those ideas and then eventually that will get somewhat recorded in some sort of demo and uh we, we sit with a lot of ideas so we're mm. you know a lot of um the difference between us and a lot of signed christian artists there's there's a little bit more in, uh, producers or songwriters involved with the, the process where with us we we keep it in-house as much as possible one because we we like doing it too uh we want it to be you know authentic coming from us yeah and three there there's not many options out there for christian songwriters actually so mm. that do pop yeah. rock kind of stuff yeah um so we we like to sit with it and see which songs kind of keep us excited for for the longest and uh, have longevity to them yeah um, so and, the whole process and then with the songwriting process with volume one was that a lot of it that we were writing about was very personal mm-hmm. that that was happening within within recent months so i think that was kind of being filtered through to to that and i think we hope that volume two when it comes out it we still breathe out that same sort of transparency and honesty and that sort of organic message or right just have a lot of fun too with yeah. it like when we say transparency it doesn't always have to be like heavy it, yeah. series and like we're we're two guys that have a lot of fun as you can tell with with the jokes and stuff we yeah. take life so seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah well one of the things that's interesting for me is you know we are documenting music from you know the 60s all the way through today and when i talk and interview folks who have been around for a long time and they're really finding it difficult to make a living in this new era of all streaming all online they're used to the touring they're used to the the record label you know and all of that stuff bringing income in and then i talk to mm-hmm. younger artists like yourselves who are saying well we've grown up in the streaming era and this is normal for us have you had any yeah. mm-hmm. have you had any of that kind of thought process about how it's different for you or is that just that's just what it is yeah, we kind of were around during that transitional stage in the music industry um, where we almost, well, being young fans of music, but then we remember the whole thing with the physical units mm-hmm. and then things became more stream and more digital. And then that becoming a thing. Well, we just talked about albums and now they're being more like uh, people are just releasing EPs or singles now. Yep. Um, obviously, things like Spotify and streams and that, you know, get your music out there, but your royalties are kind of cut back yeah. a little bit. So definitely a new change. 
for us, what we actually focused on, which is the disadvantage now doing the current status of the world, but was touring, merchandising, connecting with people, going out of there and actually um, focused on that element and taking advantage of the digital platform, you know, that streaming thing, but being, okay, guess what? I guess we got to now do a lot more, <laughs> a lot more actual physical touring and, and things like that. Cause there's always new ways to make money and to financially get creative. Right. Yeah. So you do a lot more you merch know. stuff. You do a lot more physical appearances. Uh, and that's where the income comes rather than the, and the music mm -hmm. is more an, an advertisement for, Hey, we've got a show coming up. This is the stuff we'll be playing kind yeah. of thing. And we, we were blessed with some YouTube channels. So Sean talked about dude, perfect and other sort of like sport related channels that have really helped us, you know, create a, a beautiful platform for our music to reach people. So it's how you look at it. You know, obviously the world's always changing technologically. And so yeah. sometimes it's the game of playing keep up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been interesting as you guys have been talking about all of these, the kind of how the, the path unfolded before you, it seems really evident to me that God has laid this out for you, even if he didn't tell you the specifics of the deal, but that it's just these series of small steps that God has said, nope, oh, I've got this plan. I've got this plan. And it seems to be working out really well for you guys, man. Like, like I said, we're, we're very grateful for, for what's happening, uh, in our lives personally and stuff. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, man, we, we kind of just look at it and, um, even, even without the, the career having any success and stuff, just personally in my life, just having health and a wife and, a beautiful baby boy. I, I just see that trumping anything um, that that's happening in our career. Um, and as as much as I'm grateful for for what has happened in the career, I think just you know I I see the real blessings just in the the simple things. And um, I just I just like to say that just because there's a lot of fans and or people that that might be listening, being like, hey, if you know if I try a music career. And I feel it, it, that means I'm not blessed, which isn't the mm -hmm. case, you know, just because you have success in, in this world doesn't mean you're always blessed. I find the real blessings are, are, are simple things, love, health, family. Um, and so I just, I just like to say that because I think a lot of people get caught up in, Hey, it, you know, God doesn't love me as much as he likes uh, the newsboys because they're more successful. And I just don't see that that's how it functions in, in my faith, you know, does that make sense? Oh, totally. That's very profound. Wow, that was great. that was very heartfelt. Man, yeah. actually, it's kind of legit. You think they bought it? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> fooled them. Good uh, thing it's not being recorded. Okay. Well, one of the things that we do every Saturday, we send out a newsletter to folks who are committed to praying for artists. And how can we specifically be praying for you guys, both individually and then as Manic Drive? I think some, some of the obvious things that a lot of artists are going through right now through the pandemic and stuff like that, um, more just, um, you know, to get rid of the fear and the anxiety that, that you constantly have to have to battle and just feel kind of secure in, in uh, once again, your faith and um, the people that, that surround you in your, your walk. Um, I think that's all you could really ask for. You know, at the end of the day, um, we're hoping Manic Drive, you know, powers through, through this and we're, we're stronger than ever. Um, but yeah, uh, I think just just kind of letting go of that fear and anxiety might be might be a cool request. Thank you for taking the time to share your story, guys. 
It's cool to hear how God has been providing for you, even guiding your plans for 2020 before we knew about this global pandemic. I really appreciate your focus on life perspective and what makes a successful career, and so thanks for sharing that with us. I'm really excited about the music and focus of Manic Drive, so to wrap up today's podcast, I'm going to share their song, Sugar Coated. And if you like what you hear, jump over to ManicDrive.com and check out their other albums and some very creative music videos. All of Manic Drive's links will be included in the show notes of this episode. So let's jump in and listen to Sugar Coated by Manic Drive. What's your secret? What you hiding? All the songs that call the truth. You got that archetype kind of life, built in reactions. Got that do your kind of state of mind with no satisfaction. Perfect white, crooked smile, and ghost in the attic. Got that silver tongue, loaded gun, and bullets to match it. Tell me, what's your secret? What you hiding? Oh, there's something called the truth and I'm gonna find it What's the story? Oh, why you smiling? Oh, there's something called the truth I want you Talk to me Once in your lap, be real with me Talk to me. 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 Talk to
As always, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you mind taking a few minutes and rating it on your favorite podcast app? Reviews and ratings really help spread the word so that other folks can hear about these great conversations. And if you have comments or questions for me, please feel free to drop me a message on any of the social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon by searching for at CCMExchange. Or you can always drop me an email on the website ChristianMusicArchive.com. I'm really looking forward to our time together next week when I have another great conversation with one of the musicians you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. So until then, remember this, God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you. <laughs>